Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. This is our Q&A series where I answer your questions regarding the infinite banking concept, becoming your own banker. Let's get started. This is a question on episode 134, Mike Rebus. The reflections, identifying the noise, and lifting the fog. So Mike Rebus and I have done four episodes, really two two-part episodes. So this is in the second series and the second part of the second series, episode number 134. Ginger asks, is Mr. Rebus willing to share or show his spreadsheet of reality? I, I would love it. Um, Ginger, you know, I don't know. It's a conversation I'll have with Mr. Rebus, and I assure you, you would love it. So I know it's uh, kind of a carrot out there, and I'm not directly answering your question, um, but we'll see if we can make that happen and figure out how to make that happen that's beneficial. My concern is, you know, putting things out into the big wide world. When you get into specifics, the listener, so not all, but some listeners may tend to think that this is the only way you do it, or you have to have this tool or that tool to, you know, practice the infinite banking concept. And so that's the only concern I have. And then, then it's that man's personal work, right? That's his, that's his baby that he built from the ground up and he did it for himself. And he didn't really, you know, to my knowledge, build it to help other people or to educate other people, but he's a very giving individual. So we'll have that conversation and thanks for listening. In this question, Dale asks, additional capital comes from PUAs and interest growth. Nothing more, nothing less, right? This is a question on banking within business cycles, pretty recent, um, episode 135. And, yep, additional capital comes from PUAs and the interest growth or the guaranteed increase in cash value of the base whole life policy but nothing more, nothing less. Right? No, we've left out the dividends, right? In which um, we just can't jump over the dividend, right? Even though it's a non-guaranteed element of the contract, because it's a mutual company, the policy owner is an owner of the company, mutual, right? So when they participate, the insurance company and the policies participate. That just means a policy owner gets to uh, participate in the financial experience of the life insurance company. And that is done through the, uh, the dividend, right? So if a company has a successful financial experience in a given year, they pay dividends. Um, and that is also additional capital to the policy. And it's extremely powerful over time, right? Because the dividend correctly structured should be paid into the paid up additions, Right, so it buys additional paid-up death benefit, and it goes just dang near straight to cash in year one. All right, there's most every company has a cost to the PUA rider when you pay a premium to the PUA. There's a cost to that. That cost is not the same when a dividend is paid into the PUA, but when the dividend is paid in there, like I said, it buys additional death benefit. It goes to cash value. But it also increases the dividends in that year and every year into the future, which is very powerful. Over time, it's extremely powerful. So uh, let's don't leave the dividend out. That's important. But thanks for listening, and thank you for the question. Here's a question. 
Um, okay, so I, I'll ask a question. And I appreciate the questions, right? It gives me the opportunity to share and uh, gives me the opportunity to have things to talk about that that are that are relevant and important to you. Because if you have a question that's important to you, it's probably important to many hundreds of others that, that don't necessarily get around to asking the question or getting around to asking a question. So your questions are important and they're appreciated. Okay. Um, I've been paying my third... I'll be paying my third premium on my first life insurance policy this July. I'm starting to have some cash value that might be useful to use. I've gotten a couple of my adult kids to buy their own policies. So far, we are all living in silos with these policies. How do we implement the concept of a family bank? And I got a a very good question. I have a few comments on that. You're in the third year. You have absolutely created, you should have created cash values that you can use. You know, there's little cash value and whole life insurance in the first year, you know, basically slim to none. In the second year, there's more cash value than the third and the fourth year and beyond. There's greater and greater um, increases in the cash value. So if you're at the end of year two, at the beginning of year three, um, with a properly structured policy, you're going to have substantial cash values, you know, based in, in relationship to your premium. Um, and, and let me say that there's a, a very common thought process that, well, once I start paying a premium until I actually use that money collaterally through loans to go do something, then I'm not really doing anything. And I'm telling you that's not true. You must have capital, right, to take advantage of an opportunity. So it is okay if there's not a clear opportunity presenting itself is to focus on building that capital, paying the premium. So you're doing it. And if you, and if you have um, already gotten your adult kids to purchase policies, I mean, you're laying the foundation of a quote unquote family bank. So, you know, my good job and my encouragement is to pour it on. Right, the opportunities will present themselves. We don't have to go out and look for things to to finance. Right, we're all financing everything that we purchase anyway. And I'm not talking about running your grocery bill through your life insurance policy, right? Um, and if you're not financing, you know, anything of significance, then focus on premium, 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 premium. The cash value is a and a derivative of the premium. So that's the solution. The premium is a solution. The problem is a problem. Uh, so just, I want to encourage you. Good job. You're doing it. So keep doing it. Thanks for the question. Okay, in this question, Bobby asked, uh, I want to do this banking system before I get too old. I don't make enough money, though. And this is a comment on a video, Infinite Banking Case Study. Well, listen, Bobby, um, you know, it takes capital to create a banking system. So a couple of encouragements here, you know, change your cash flows or change your expenses or change both. Do what you can do. And I don't care how old you are. You have to start where you're at. Um, Just had a lovely couple in um, yesterday that recorded an episode, um, Jerry and Becky, and they're, they're, they didn't start until they were in their 60s. 
and they have a fabulous story. I can't wait for you to hear it and listen to it. So, you know, change your circumstances to the extent in which you can create more income or reduce your expenses, create that difference that you can apply to a banking system, right? You know, I, I don't know how old you are, but I don't believe anyone's too old to start. You know, if you're if you're 99 years of age and you're uninsurable or 90 or 89 or whatever the case may be, maybe you have children or grandchildren or great grandchildren. So if you don't do something, who will, right? If you don't change the trajectory of your family, who will, I mean, for the positive, right? So uh, nothing but encouragement for you, Bobby, keep listening and uh, keep reading, keep educating yourself and, uh, Start where you can, okay? Whether it's on your life or someone else's life that you have an insurable interest in. And this question. Yeah, sometimes a print smaller than others, right? James, hi, my name is Young. I've been a listener to your podcast for some time now. Thank you. And I want to reach out with a question that I thought might be helpful to your listening audience. Since developing a system of multiple policies is the goal, is it important long-term to max out your death benefit early, early on by ensuring, okay, wait, since developing a system of multiple policies is the goal or is a goal, is it important long-term to max out your death benefit early on by ensuring up to your entire human life value as early as possible in parentheses, even if you can only comfortably afford the base premiums for now and not max out the PUAs right away or in parentheses, um, or would you recommend only opening up a new policy after you fully maxed out your PUAs on each existing policy? That's a very good question, Young, and I appreciate you answering that and um, a couple of things the you, the listener who owns a, a quote unquote banking policy, an infinite banking style, uh, infinite banking concept style policy, you should know the limitations of your PUA and the requirements of that. Some companies require PUA to be paid, you know, on the anniversary date. Um, some, you know, are scheduled. PUA premiums that must be paid and some are unscheduled. Um, and if you don't max out your PUA, you're going to limit what you can pay into a PUA in future years. All of the companies are, are different, you know, even though they're similar, they're different. So you should know how your PUA works on your policies. All right. Um, and then there's a couple of questions here. So should you max out the PUA? Right to take advantage of your human life value or your human economic value, um, and let me speak to the human economic value. And it kind of, you know, mentioned it from time to time over the years. Uh, you know, we're all limited on how much death benefit we can have in force from all sources, and generally with the human economic value, um, you know, it's your age and your income or your or your net worth. So if I'm 50 and I earn $100,000, maybe I can only purchase uh, 20 times my income in total face amount. Okay. So if I earn $100,000 at age 50, you know, I'm only going to be able to have $2 million in force from all sources. 
excluding group term, including the group military. So if I have a term and a whole life or whatever it is I have other than the group coverages, the totality of those policies um, adds to my limit of insurability. Okay. So your PUAs are different. You should know your PUAs, human economic value or human life value is a factor based on income and age or assets. Maybe I can, I don't have an income, um, but you know, I'm worth $5 million. Then I can have one times my net worth in total face amount. Uh, so those are the two basic fundamental limitations that the underwriters use to um, not be overinsured, quote unquote, or to be properly insured. Right. So they have a whole, the underwriter has a whole checklist of uh, that they have to go by. Right. Nobody can be overinsured. You know, you hear that casually thrown around. Oh, I'm worth more dead than alive. Um, you know, well, you can change that. Okay. Um, or I'm overinsured. It is legally, literally not possible to be overinsured. Because in my example, if I'm 50, have 100,000 in income, and I have 2.5 million in death benefit because I bought the proper type of insurance that has a continuing, increasing death benefit, then I'm not going to be able to go get a new, more coverage on my own life because I'm considered fully insured. Okay. Um, and now if I'm young, right, uh, and I am. It, but if I'm young and I don't have the premium dollars, I don't have the ability to pay, you know, these high premium and high cash value, there it's completely financially sound to be properly insured, especially if you're a young person with a family. You know, it, the infinite banking world sometimes diminishes the death benefit to, to like no value. And it's, that's not correct. The death benefit has an absolute value in, in more than one sense. So, my encouragement is for everyone to be properly insured. But look, if you have obligations and if you're, we all have obligations. And, and a lot of times when we're young and a young family, we're underinsured, right? So you should address that first, my opinion. And then you should focus on capital accumulation with cash value. And you can really do both at the same time. I may go buy the best banking policy that I can wrap my mind around and not stress myself and be able to pay the premium and be able to pay the PUA premium without the PUA limitations, you know, falling away because I wasn't able to pay a PUA premium. Um, so it's, properly built for me, a banking policy. It's within my ability. Maybe there's some room for growth. I can buy convertible term that is separate from that banking policy to ensure my insurability, to be insured up to my human life value. Um, now I've done several things. Number one, I'm properly insured, right? Proper planning, retirement planning, financial planning. It's prudent, right? Um, but I don't have the premium dollars to fund those with the real high PUAs. You know, I can't do both, be properly insured and start, you know, banking policies. So then that takes the risk off of you of not being able to pay a PUA premium, therefore that rider falling off or being greatly limited on your banking top policy. Okay. And then, and there's more work to come on this, but, um, with the right type of term insurance with the right company. What do you mean by that? That's convertible, right? Either fully or partially. Uh, you know, I may have a, 
let's say that $2 million is my insurability. I have a million-dollar banking policy, death benefits, building the capital and cash value is correct for me, and I'm learning how to use it, and, and I'm using it. Um, but I didn't have the premium or I couldn't wrap my mind around buying enough or, or paying a high enough premium to get a $2 million death benefit. Maybe I can buy a separate standalone million, $1 million term policy, and then I can convert that over time fully or partially as my ability to pay premium um, comes about. Okay, So a little bit on human, human economic value, which is a – and when you think about that, I've got some guy, you know, or some individual 500 miles away in, in their in their books. And I love all the underwriters. Okay, they're all overworked. I'm not disparaging them. But it's just the idea that somebody can value my life. I mean, really? Really? But that's where we live in with life insurance. Okay? Okay. So if it's a long term, you know, if I if I don't have the ability to pay a PUA premium, you know, next year or two years from now, um, but it's going to change and I'll be able to pay a PUA premium in the second or third year into the future. If your policy is built and has the uh, the uh, characteristics and the in the product that that has that flexibility, that's fine. If you're going to wait, you know, five, six or seven or 10 years before you have the ability to pay PUA premium. It is better to buy a standalone term that's convertible. Every case is different, but you should and we all should be working with, you know, competent, knowledgeable financial advisors, life insurance agents, you know, the infinite banking uh Concept NNI practitioners, they should know these things. Whomever you're working with should know these things. But thanks. That really was a good question, Young, and, and I appreciate you asking that. Thank you for listening. If you have a question that you would like answered, email me at james at bankingwithlife.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.